Welcome back to the Redundant Rufus Podcast. In the first episode of Season 2, I'm going to kick it off just like I did in my first season, first episode on J.R.R. Tolkien, some theories I have. Now, to pause there, I'd like to thank all those that have stayed with me and those that have waited since my last uh, upload. Um, Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And it's helpful to me to do something that I enjoy, to share knowledge and in this case theories of a work that truly transcends many things. This episode is called Tolkien Theory, the Avari and the Blue Wizards. So we can read throughout much of Tolkien's legendarium regarding many characters, many languages, many events, um, family histories, geographic locations. There's so much to, it's so rich with depth. Over the years, I've had, you know, some questions, which is warranted with any any literary work. But the unique thing about Tolkien is that you can ask questions and then find answers to those questions, as Tom Shippey said. And he further explained, you can find questions to those answers, answers to those questions. It's just so depth-rich, decades of, of dedication, love, and passion. His son, Christopher Tolkien, was such a godsend in sharing so much of unpublished works of Tolkien, such as the Silmarillion, Books of Lost Tales, the entire history of Middle-earth, and with subsequent um, retellings of the Children of Hurin, and uh, the Fall of Gondolin, and Baron and Luthien, which is the penultimate love story of all time. But again, I say I have questions. I have a lot of questions. Because one person cannot think of every possible answer, every possible outcome to a story, to a character. Or you may mention a location, but there's no history behind it. The reader doesn't visit it again. So that's where this podcast details my questions regarding groups of people that we don't hear from anymore. They're mentioned and then they're seemingly forgotten, or at least they're, they're not uh, pertainable or applicable to the subsequent histories or stories that the author truly cares about. Not to say he didn't care about what I'm going to be speaking on. Um, it's just maybe he had other thoughts or notes that were unpublished. I know Christopher Tolkien alluded in one one of the books that you know he came across notes that just he wasn't fully able to understand or they weren't wholly legible for him to understand so those are other potential details that we don't know about and of course like i said with thoughts you can be creating a story or writing a book or a paper and you have thoughts ideas that cross your mind quickly but you don't think to write them down i think with tolkien because of how much passion and love he devoted to his legendarium There are most definitely instances where he thought of ideas, how to progress a character, or how to maybe change uh, the genesis of uh, Gladriel and Celeborn. There are different versions of their meeting, their travels, etc. I will start with the first theory, and that is of the Avari. Now, the Avari, you can find mentioned in the Silmarillion, the Books of Lost Tales. You can find them in Unfinished Tales. You can find them throughout the different histories of Middle-earth, like in Morgoth's Ring, the Peoples of Middle-earth, Lost Road, and other writings, etc. But this is a group of elves that you don't hear about again. Now, before I get into that, let me talk a little bit about the history. So, the Avari have many names. The Departing, the Elves Who Never Left Middle-earth, the Dark Elves... Elves of Darkness, the Avamanyar, the Unwilling, Refusers, the Moraiquendi, Alamanyai, mostly Tellery-based, 
and they refused the summons or strayed from the journey. Now, these they call them Dark Elves because they never travel to Amon, to Valinor. They refuse to accept the summons of the Valar to visit the Blessed Realm. So they chose to stay in Middle-earth, stay in their homes, or their homeland of Quivienen. And that's pretty much all we know about them. Now, you can lump in some of the Nandor, or along the great journey of the elves, some did part or turn around and go back. So you can say they're Avari as well. Now, the difference between the Avari, or the elves of darkness, and the elves of light, or those who traveled to Valinor, they were blessed by the light of the Blessed Realm. The Avari were not. They were more susceptible to the influences and the snares of Morgoth. They were more susceptible to that evil. Not necessarily they turned evil, but they didn't have that grace to endure longer in this world. They faded much more quickly. So their refusal to embark on the great journey was called the first sundering of the elves. As was quoted in the, the War of the Jewels, they were those who did not go to Amon because they would not. Now the term dark being associated with this group, as I said before, does not imply any evil or service to the dark lords. Instead, it means they were ignorant to the light of Amon. Not just you know, not being exposed to it, they were just ignorant of it. They couldn't understand it. And this group also included the Sindar, though we can get into them later. But Melkor seemed to be the first to become aware of the elves or the Quendi awakening in Quivienen. And we can read that he soon sent shadows, um, evil spirits, to watch and waylay them. He also sent whispers and lies, which probably were more accepted by those elves who will be later called the Avari, uh, especially regarding the aggression and violence demonstrated by the Valar in their fight with Melkor from Angband to Utumno, the latter being destroyed. The elves didn't behold the battles, but it was said they felt the earth shake and could see lights in the north from the mighty fires caused. Morgoth desired to have the elves fear and not heed the Valar. He did all he could to waylay them, in particular Arome, raising up the misty mountains to impede his riding. Um, but Arome still found them, because when he did come among them, some had fled far away out of fear and were lost. Some were captured by Morgoth, and they became, or one of the main theories is that they became corrupted into the orcs, since Morgoth was unable to create, only corrupt, just like his successor Sauron. Now the outcome of the elves remaining in Middle-earth and not in Valinor would be an inevitable fading away into an invisible spirit. According to the nature of Middle-earth, they aged to maturity much faster than other elves, presumably due to the fact that they had not beheld the light of the two trees. But it is known, on a side note, it's known that the House of Beor had been instructed and taught by the Avari. But what the Avari gives us is much more depth into Tolkien's mythos. Unlike the Noldor or the Sindar Nandor, who are the latter closely related to the Avari, the Avari are not provided with extensive detail, legends, acts of heroism, great feats. Just the existence of the Avari in Middle-earth would necessarily show original elven culture and language, not modified or entirely replaced by dwelling in Amman, or being affected by the perils and wars of the Silmarillion. Now with the Avari, I have to mention the similar group called the Nandor, 
or the Middle Elves, the Wood Elves, the Sindar or Grey Elves, again mainly Teleri, some Noldor but mainly Teleri. These were elves who departed from the Great Journey. They accepted the summons but slowly they forsook the Great Journey. For example, getting up to the Misty Mountains and being filled with terror because of them and uncertainty, some fled into the Vales of Anduin and south to Lorien and I believe some into what's now Gondor. So they were, um, you could say that they were among the Avari and that they didn't behold the light, but they weren't necessarily forsaken because we know later on at the end of the first stage that they are invited to go to Valinor and many of the Grey Elves do that. But some of these Nandor ended up in Assyrian, known as the Green Elves. Uh, they settled along the Anduin, as I said, and the Greenwood the Great becoming the Sylvan Elves, whom Thranduil ruled and his father Orafer. Now, Sindar or Grey Elves were among the Teleri. As we remember, there were three hosts of Elves traveling in the Great Journey. There were the Vanyar, the Noldor, and the Teleri. But some of these Teleri, as we can recall, were on their way to the shores of Middle-earth, but their lord Elway, or Thingol, as he later became known, became lost. And so they sought search for him in vain, and by doing so they missed their opportunity to sail to Valinor, and thereafter they called themselves the Forsaken, or the Grey Elves. Here's my theory with the Avari. The Far East is not explored very much beyond the location of various tribes of men. The further east, when the earth was flat, before Numenor's destruction, it became round. Quivienen and Hildorian were in the furthest east, so it could be implied one, one of two ways, that it was destroyed or reshaped be, due to the constant reshaping of the world, or that it continued to exist. Now it is entirely possible that the Numenorians in their great voyages encountered, if it was still there, Quivienen and Hildorian. It's very possible. Maybe they created some sort of enclave or settlement that was lost to time. Who knows? But going back to my theory, since the world was changed so many times before the years of the trees and the sun and the moon, what Middle-earth looked like can be seen in some early maps drawn by Tolkien and some drawings within the book Atlas of Middle-earth, which I suggest. It's a very, very good book with great detailed maps. Now, because they were ignorant to the light of Amun, did the Avari eventually fade away? Or did they just form their own enclave, unknown to the West? Were they involved in other events in the furthest East? Did they have relations with the other houses of the Dwarves? The men of the East? Did the men of the East fear them? Were they more kind of like mystic and dangerous, like the Green Elves of Assyrian were? Did Sauron know of them or even care? But with that, we know that in the Second Age, with the forging of the Rings of Power, that Sauron ever sought to control the Elves, but wasn't able to. So would the Avari, if he was aware of them, would they be easier to manipulate? And did he? Now, the tales of Arome visiting them and their ancestors traveling far to the west, would some of the Avari, if any were left, ever desire to go at any time? I believe some of them did end up settling with the Nandor, ended up traveling over the mountains, but it's just one of those things. You, we don't have much information on this. Now, to look at it a different way, would some of the elves in Valinor desire to see Quivienen take a pilgrimage? You know, we don't get much of a history of Valinor after the flight of the Noldor, and especially after the destruction of Numenor. 
but Savalinor simply becomes a forbidden place to visit if you're not an elf. But did any willfully choose to leave? Now you gotta think it, Valinor Amon is effectively heaven, but would any elf, if you think of the Noldor, they left, would any elf or small group want to take a pilgrimage to their original homeland? Now, to end this theory, it goes into the second theory. Did the Avari meet the Blue Wizards? Now, the Blue Wizards, as we remember, were five history or wizards in Westron who came to Middle-earth in about a thousand third age. Now, these wizards were commissioned to assist the free peoples in their struggles against Sauron. We know that they were endowed with unique abilities centered in their staffs. They aged slowly, resembling old men, but still vigorous in both body and spirit. Now, Tolkien suggested that the history were Valar of a sort. The Maiar order comes to mind, and we know there are different ranks within it, Saruman being of a higher rank than Gandalf, Gandalf being a higher rank than Radagast. It can be implied that the wizards were of this order as both Gandalf's and the Balrog's abilities were on an equal level. But we can read in the Silmarillion that upon the forest of Mirkwood becoming darkened and evil, there came the history in their that their purpose was only known to the high elven lords. Furthermore, we do learn that they were sent by the Valar as emissaries to contest the power of Sauron and to show the free peoples that the Valar had not forsaken them. We know that after the destruction of Numenor, the world became round, and Amon, or the Blessed Realm, was shut out from the world forever. But these Maiar, believed to be, brought power with them to challenge Sauron, who was also of the same order, possibly different rank, but only to move the free peoples and all living things to do good will and valiant deeds. Saruman eventually dwelt in Orthanc. Gandalf was ever traveling and motivating all creatures to resist the darkness and have courage. Radagast essentially forsook his duty and settled in Mirkwood, and being a lover of birds and animals. The Blue Wizards traveling far to the east, I mentioned could they have encountered Avari. Well, if the Avari were still around, it's entirely possible. But we're going to get into in a moment about a little more about the blue wizards and where they came from or who they served rather now the first theory for or i guess you could say sub theory of the second is the battle of five armies now at the end of the quest of erebor and the death of smaug many people desired the treasure of the mountain the orcs and the wargs of the mountains to the north and east were assembled and attacked the lonely mountain with elves men and dwarves at the end of their strength in came the mighty eagles and bayorn to turn the tide i mean you can read this in the hobbit so i won't belabor that those details but imagine if the battle included another army such as easterlings we know that the men of Esgaroth, as well as the elves, traded together. But let us not forget the region being a hub for trade amongst the northern peoples, the dwellers of Dorwinion and Arun. Arun participated in the War of the Ring on the side of Sauron and possibly composed some of the Easterlings who assaulted Dale and Erebor in said war. But let's consider if one more army was added to the Battle of Five, now six armies. The Allies were in no position to attain victory that day without the help of the Eagles and Bayorn, but... Would these late-entry combatants have been enough to fight an army of Easterlings? Now, the resulting consequences would have brought failure to the quest of Erebor. Or, one can contend that an army of Easterlings would not have necessarily fought alongside the Orcs and Wargs, but against everyone present. Now, nonetheless, we can circle back to this possibility being non-existent because of the behind-the-scenes efforts of the Blue Wizards. Now, some have argued that these wizards were killed by men, or Sauron, or possibly corrupted, like Saruman was. But just imagine 
imagine if their efforts were producing fruits at the time of the quest of Erebor that an army of Easterlings or men of Rune didn't attack because of their efforts. Now, the sub-theory 2 is my favorite, and that's the secret mission of the Blue Wizards, to summon the remaining Avari in the East. Now, the Blue Wizards, or the Ithrin Luwin, or individually Alatar and Palando, along with Saruman for a short time, traveled to the East, presumably to motivate the many tribes of men to resist Sauron. The Blue Wizards, according to Unfinished Tales, they are associated with Arome, though no hint is given of the reason for this relationship. I find that very fascinating. Now, Christopher Tolkien posits a guess that the reason for this relationship is due to the fact that Arome had better understanding of the farthest east. Granted, the lands had changed a bit since he wrote to Quivienne in many ages prior. Nevertheless, Christopher Tolkien suggests that the geographical knowledge Arome presumably gave the Blue Wizards that they were destined to journey in those regions and to remain there. Now, one may think that these wizards were the only contact from Valinor to Eastern men. We can recall that the awakening of men was not met with Arome or any messenger from Valinor. Men were left to guide themselves across the vastness of the wilds of Middle-earth, where only some came to Beleriand, benefited in language and craft from the Avari. But on a side note, we know that before coming to Beleriand, the wandering groups of men encountered the Avari, who taught them much in speech. Now, with these two wizards being the first formal outreach from Valinor, I would think that they had quite the task. These were men who had been indoctrinated and fed lies for thousands of years, beginning with Morgoth and continued by his lieutenant Sauron. I believe they had some success and probably reduced the amount of eastern forces who engaged during the War of the Ring. Or throughout the Third Age, if you will. Because the War of the Ring wasn't the only hot, contested engagement between the men of the East and the West. Now, to add to this second sub-theory, the Valar could have foreseen another destruction by Sauron and desired for the Avari to be safe and come to Valinor. Because of the inevitable fading away of the elves in Middle-earth and Sauron keeping the flames of Morgoth's treachery alive to prevent said fading, did the Blue Wizards come to the rescue of those Avari who were left? I think it's entirely possible, especially if they were of the Order of Arome and became versed in the, in the geographical understanding of the, of the Far East. Why not? The Grey Elves in Beleriand, the Sindar, were offered passage to Valinor, after the uh, at the end of the first stage so why not reach out once again you know be a you know, compassionate reach out to those who remain in the far east why not and what was sauron doing during much of the third age he was in the east for centuries and as i said before he wanted to control the elves but was not able to however the avari could necessarily be more malleable they were to the deceits and the lyings of Morgoth. They didn't necessarily swear allegiance to him, but they heeded him enough to not trust the Valar. So maybe they were, the Avari were of a mind to not trust any god. There's other things I could add with these theories, and hopefully they've been presented in a way that's somewhat cogent or coherent. Uh, I apologize for any lack of syntax. Maybe that should be my podcast name, lack of syntax. But regardless, these are things that I've questioned and I feel I presented enough evidence or educated guesses on what happened to the Avari. What was their fate? What about the Blue Wizards? We don't hear anything about them. We just assume they died or were corrupted, but I feel they had a much more important secret role that it was too important for them to leave and uh, rejoin 
the history. In closing, there's much to learn, there's much to question in Tolkien's Legendarium, and I have other questions and theories, but for now I'll just posit these, and thank you for listening, and I hope to catch you in the next episode.